0: good morning, almost afternoon. Uh, My name is Chris. I'm one of the teachers here today and I am honored to be with you. Uh, If you're new or visiting with us for the first time, again, uh, we are just thrilled that you're here. We just want to say thank you. Hopefully you feel at home. Uh, If you have questions, we would love to answer them for you. We're just so glad uh, that you came to be with us today. Uh, We're in week five of our six-week series on the book of Galatians and so uh, if you've been with us uh, this whole time, we're almost there, right? We've almost completed uh, an entire book of the Bible, and I don't know about you, but there's just something about getting into God's Word and reading something, Uh, maybe it's a book or something from start to finish, Uh, there's just something uh, powerful about that. You know, we believe that that God's Word is is our standard of truth, right? It's living, it's active, it challenges us, it corrects us, it leads us, and so uh, it's just been an honor and a blessing to be able to see what God is saying to us through the book of Galatians. Uh, So if you have your Bibles, you can open up those Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. That's where we're going to spend the majority of our time today. Uh, As you're doing that, I want to ask, how many of you have just felt stuck in life? Right? I mean, many of us, some of us can raise both hands, right? We've we've just felt stuck. Uh, It could be in a a bad job or it could be uh, in a difficult relationship where we just feel stuck. Like something's not going to get better, right? Or or maybe it's a situation or a scenario that you're in and and you just don't see the end, right? You're just stuck and you replay it over and over and over again. It's like Groundhog Day, right? And, And you just feel stuck. You know, maybe for you, you feel stuck in religion. You know, maybe you grew up in a faith uh, where the demands were so high, right, that there was this rules of list and guidelines, do's and don'ts, that if you don't meet that standard, uh, you're in this vicious cycle of not being good enough. And you just feel stuck. You feel stuck to the religious demands. You know, maybe you're on the other side of that and, and you have put your faith in Jesus Christ. He's changed you, you've experienced him, and you're just stuck in a sin. I mean, there's a sin in your life or there's something uh, that has captivated you, and it's so hard to get out of that sin. It's it's this cycle that you're in that even though you want to get out of it, you just feel helpless because you're stuck. You know, I would venture out to say that many of us, if not all of us, feel that way. We have felt that way. I know in my life, I have felt stuck. I've felt stuck in difficult relationships. I've felt stuck in positions at church. I've, I, I've, I've felt stuck in ways of life. But here is the truth. God wants us to experience freedom. True freedom, being unstuck. And today, as we look in the book of Galatians, we're going to see just that. In fact, today we're calling this message true freedom. And so before we jump into the meat of the message, why don't we pray one more time together. Father God, we we give you this time, Lord, for whatever situation or scenario that each and every single individual is in, as we come into this place today, God, would you speak to us? Would you show us that you want us to experience freedom, true freedom in you? And so God, whatever that means, would you speak ever so clearly to us through your word. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Amen. If you're joining with us for the very first time, just a real quick recap of how we are getting to where we are in Galatians chapter 5. So the first four chapters of Galatians, we have seen the Apostle Paul fighting for the integrity of the one true gospel, right? And that one true gospel that Paul received was a divine one. It was one that was given to him from God directly. And we know that that gospel that he is fighting for, that the way to be made right in relationship with God, the way to be justified is through a relationship with Jesus and nothing else, right? It's through our faith in him alone, in his grace alone, that we are made right with God. And so Paul has been going and he's been speaking to these Galatian believers who have been infiltrated by this group of Judaizers, this Jewish group, who are saying that it's something else, that it's a relationship with Jesus, but Works, but circumcision, uh, relationship with Jesus, but uh, you know, focusing on the law of Moses. And so Paul, he's doing everything in his power to remind them that that is not the true message that came from God. And so we see Paul uh, really putting himself out there. In fact, he, he stood up in front of the church. At the very first church meeting when the church had started, Paul had a meeting with them and said, guys, listen, this is so important that we get this straight. This isn't a debatable issue. This is a to die for doctrine in the church that it's all about Jesus and nothing else, and we have to be unified. And so we also see Paul, he's getting heat. He's getting a lot of heat from these, these Judaizers who are saying, Oh, grace, grace alone, that's just too easy. That's just not enough. And so he's taking heat from these people. Uh, we see Paul having really difficult conversations with those that he was very close with. The apostle Peter is one of them. He had to confront Peter in love because Peter was being hypocritical. Peter was a leader in the church. And so he had one foot in this Judaizer camp when he was hanging around with the Judaizers he was saying, yeah, this is the way. And then he had another foot in this new Galatian church camp that said, listen, you're not tied down to anything. And so Paul said, Peter, this is confusing people. This is not the message of the gospel. And so we see Paul for four entire chapters being solidifying the foundation of the theological gospel. And now we're going to move into uh, Galatians chapter 5 where we're going to see now how this then practically applies to our life. You see, Paul was defending it, and now he wants them to understand that if there is just this one true gospel— that the one true gospel is that we experience justification in our faith alone, then that should change everything about us. And so he's going to show us exactly how he does that. If you remember in week one, uh, we talked about this, but this is what Paul is getting to. There's really this central theme that we see kind of woven throughout Galatians. And this theme is that we live by grace in everything that we do. And so it's this idea that grace is everything that we need, and so Paul is saying, don't get swayed by one way or the other. He's saying on this one side, there's this legalism that you have to do all of these things, that it's all about demands and rituals, and if you don't meet those things, then you're not good enough. Paul's saying that's one extreme. And then he's saying, well, well, they're saying, well, wait a minute. If it's that easy, then why don't I just live in sin and live on grace, right? That just means I can do whatever I want, whenever I want. I'm going to live it up, right? Eat, drink, and be merry because God is going to forgive me on everything that I do. And Paul said that, too, is another extreme. And he's giving us this picture that both sides of those extremes are very dangerous, Imagine if you're driving down a country road, and there a, a snowy country road, and there's a ditch on either side. Actually, maybe you might relate to this. Have you ever come through like the Beaver Pass in Southern Utah, right in the winter time? It's straight treachery. Can I get an amen? Right? You know what I'm talking about. And Utah drivers, I don't even know what they're thinking. Right? They just come flying right through there, and there's danger on both sides. And so you don't want to go off the road and get enslaved and in danger in one side of the ditch, right? And then Paul's saying, you don't want to do that on the other. You want to stay in the lane. You want to stay in the sweet spot of grace. And and what he's saying is, is that we've got to understand that this is super important. It's not that we just put our faith in Jesus Christ and then we work and we work and we work to be made right before him. Because the Bible says there's nothing that we can do to be made right before God except put our faith in Jesus Christ, Paul also says this doesn't then just give us the freedom to do whatever we want, to live however we want, to not have consequences, to not have boundaries in our life. And so Paul says, please remember the importance of this because grace, what that is, is true freedom. Grace, experiencing the grace of God and staying in that lane, allowing that to to change us, to change everything that we are. That is how we experience true freedom. And so here's what we're going to learn about that freedom today. If you're taking notes, three very quick points uh, in Galatians chapter 5. And the first is this, is that Jesus, he came to give us true freedom. Did you know that Jesus came? He left the comfort of heaven being worshipped by Every single angel of heaven. He was elevated. He was being worshiped and praised, and he stepped down from heaven to earth. He came to this world that we know, and he did what we could not do. He was without sin. Emmanuel, God with us. And he came, he lived a perfect life, and he died a death that we deserved because of our sin so that we can experience freedom. You see, that's why Jesus did what he did. He did that so that we could experience freedom and not to get tied up to slavery to the law and rules and guidelines and and do's and don'ts and all of these things, these checkboxes. And to be away from the other side that says you just do whatever you want, say whatever you want, be whatever you want because God's going to forgive you. No, he came so that we could experience true freedom, that we could live in grace and it would change us. It would change the way that we act, the way that we think, the way that we feel, the things that we do. It would change everything about us. And you see, that's the kind of God that he lives. He does that for us. You know, I think in our culture what happens is when we think of this word freedom, what do we do? We say, man, it just means I'm my own boss, right? Anything goes. I can just do whatever I want, right? There's no consequences. There's no boundaries. I am in control of myself. Uh, you know, we have we have three kids. Uh, three kids at home around summertime uh, is like a, a zoo. Can I get an amen? Right. Even at the pastor's house, it gets pretty crazy, right? Thank God if you're a teacher. We cannot wait till August 17th or whenever that is, right? But at at our house, you know, so I I have three kids. My oldest, he is 14 going on 15. Uh, He is a lot smarter than his dad, right? He knows just about what I know times 100 times more, right? And same with mom. He's got it all figured out. Can I get an amen? You got an old teenager go like that? They know it all, right? Okay, well, you just wait. Give me about five years and let's talk when you come back, right? Uh, Then I have a daughter. She's eight, (laughs) And that's why I have all the grays, right? You know what I mean? Like if you have a daughter, you get that too. And right in the middle, we have uh, our, our middle son. He's 12, almost 13. He's going into seventh grade. And he is like the freest spirit of all people. It's like his world and we're all just living in it. Like he's such a, uh, just a kid. He's very creative and playful. And I mean, you, you could not hear for him forever and he's just out doing his own thing. It's awesome. It's so awesome. Well, one day, uh, recently, during this summertime, uh, Carden had left. He was gone. And so we were just like, oh, he's probably out playing around, and, and we tried to get a hold of his friends through his cell phone, and they're like, no, we haven't seen him. And, and so it had been a while, and we started to get worried a little bit, right? And so we're like, oh, we should probably maybe go look for him. Maybe. But no, it's quiet. Well, let's go look for him still, right? So we go and look for him, and we can't find him, and it's like, okay, what the heck? And someone says, well, maybe he went to the store because he likes all a dollar. Well, before you know it, he comes home, and in one hand, he's got candy and a soda, and the other one, he's got toys because he had just gone to all a dollar, right? And so we had to have this conversation with him, Carden, you can't just do whatever you want, You can't just get up and go and not tell anybody. You can't just cross over 89 and go to all a dollar and just show up whenever you want, right? There are boundaries. There are boundaries. Even though you feel free and you feel comfortable when you're experiencing our love and our trust, there are boundaries. And you see, the same thing is the same in our relationship with God. You see, when God gives us his grace, he doesn't just say, go and do whatever you want to do. He says that there are boundaries. When I am the author of your life and you're following my lead, I give you the way to honor me. I put people in your life to, to help you understand how to honor me. I give you my word, the very words that I speak through the Bible, to give you a standard to live in. There are boundaries. And you see what the Apostle Paul says. Now, he's reminding them. So if Christ has truly set us free, If he's truly set us free, we need to live in that freedom. But he says this, and I love how he does this. He's been doing this for four chapters. (laughs) And he goes back and he says to them, now make sure that you stay free, that you don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. How many of us have to be told 10 times before we get it, right? Be honest, come on, is it just me, right? Come on, there, yeah, there's a few of us. You're honest, God loves you, okay? but we have to be told. And that's what he's doing. He's reminding them. And I think the reason why he starts here is because they had been so easily entangled. They had been so swayed by this group that he had to remind them that, listen, it's not about the works of the law. You are free. You're free from that part of the law. And and so then you might say, well, okay, well, if they're free from the law, well, well, this is what everyone else is saying. If I'm free, then, then that must mean I can do whatever I want. I can just be and do and be everything that I want without boundaries. Well, Paul, in another book, he says this in Romans 6. Well, then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace, right? Is this now the license to sin so we can experience more and more of God's grace? Does the leash get a little bit longer? Am I a little bit more loose in how I do things? He says, of course not. That's not what this means. It doesn't mean that you just do whatever you want. He says, since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? You see, Paul was saying, no, when you experience the grace of God, you don't have this gross misunderstanding of grace where you just do whatever you want. Anything goes. Instead, you understand what that grace means that Jesus Christ would give his life for you and that he would forgive you in everything that you do, no matter how bad it was. He did that for you so that you could live in the freedom of his son, Jesus Christ. We could truly experience his freedom And so Paul, he's responding to the the Galatian believers, please don't get caught up. He's responding to these Judaizers that are saying, grace alone, that's way too easy. And so what, what he's trying to say is that when you experience grace, you have a new identity. You are a new person, a new creation in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so friends, you know what that means for you and me today? What that means is that if we're stuck in life, we can experience releasing freedom through the power of Jesus Christ. If we are stuck in a sin, if we are stuck in a bad religion, uh, a relationship, if we are stuck in the legal demands of religion and not being good enough, very quite frankly, the Bible says that because of Jesus, we are free. He has set us free. So would we not get caught up again to works on one side and sin on the other? Would we live in the middle of grace? And when we do, when we experience Jesus, we then can get to the real intent of the law. And that's our next point. You see, true freedom, true freedom in Jesus Christ is about getting back to the er- original intent of the law, which is to love God and to love others. You see, we, we've spent the last four weeks talking about how it's not about the Old Testament law. It's not about rules and regulations. It's not about any of those things. But if you remember... Last week, we said, and Paul said, that the law isn't bad. In fact, God gave us the law to make us aware of where we fall short in our standard, his glorious standard. And so it challenges us. It, It brings attention to the things that we are falling short in the glory of God. But it is not what saves us. It is not what saves us. Jesus is what saves us. And when we understand that, we can be exactly who God created us to be people who honor him and then love others. Listen to what Paul was saying. He says, for you've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But again, he's reminding them, do not use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. And here's what he says. This is very important. And I think he does this because he knows that people are listening. He knows the Judaizers are listening. He says, for the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. And you know where he got that from? He got that from Jesus himself. You know, in, uh, when Israel was uh, kind of doing their own thing and they were going their own way, uh, God gave them a covenant, a promise, and he was with them all along the way. And, and he gave them a prayer, a prayer that had been passed down to them, and it's been passed down for generations. It's called the Shema. Many of you may have heard this. We, we did a series on it a while back. And that prayer is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, and your strength. Right, And so it's this picture that God gives us for his people to say, when you live for me, you love me this way. But Jesus said something different. He was being tested and all of these religious leaders were coming on him and they were questioning him and they were trying to get him to fail and to fall. And listen to what they said. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind. That's the Shema. He says, this is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And please, hear this. Jesus himself, God in the flesh, all the law and the prophets hang on to these two commandments. Love God and love others. And so what Paul was saying is, listen, when you understand this grace, you remove yourself, the selfishness, the bent to sin, you remove all of those things, and then you can live to honor God. And the overflow of that is that you would tell as many people about him as possible. Look what God has done in me. And may you experience the same grace that I have experienced in my life today, too. You know, here's what I I love about this. Uh, None of this is possible. Please understand this. None of this is possible on our own merit. We can do nothing to make us right before God. Jesus alone is the way to God. And you see, the way we we deal with this is that God, he has to do something inside of us. He has to make us new. In Ezekiel chapter 36, we read this, this amazing story. The Israelites, again, they were going their own way. They always had a tendency to do that. They were stuck in idolatry, even as God had led them their whole lives with miraculous sign after miraculous sign. They still were looking for gods that could do something. And so uh, God knew that they couldn't fulfill the law. And so he had to change something about them. He says this, and I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. Is anybody in here have a stony, stubborn heart? <laughs> Is it me again? I'm the only, there's two of us. Come on. I mean, you guys are, we should just end the message and say, thank you, God. We've got a bunch of righteous people in here. Amen. Like, like we have this. This is the way that we were born. The Bible says that when God created everything, he saw that it was very good. But then we decided to go our own way, and because of sin, it made it not good. We had a curse upon us, and that curse is death. And you see, God doesn't just stand up in heaven and say, Listen, you fail miserably. Good luck. What he does is he says, listen, I see that you are unhealthy. I see that you can't make, meet the standards and the demands. And so what I'm going to do in you is I'm going to create in you a new heart. I'm going to give you heart surgery. Your sick, stubborn, black, dark, and sin-filled heart, I am going to replace that with a brand new heart. I am going to make you new. And if that is not enough, what I'm going to do is I am going to put my spirit in you So even after you have a new heart, which will be bent towards sin, I will put my spirit in you, and I will help you follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. You see, friends, here's what happens. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, he takes residence in us, and he makes us brand new. The old is gone, and the new has come. All of our sin and our shame and our guilt and the weight that is upon us, that is gone, and God regenerates our life and gives us something new, and then we live to honor him. And the way that we do that is that he takes residence in us. He places the Holy Spirit in our heart. And so that when I fail, I say, God, what can you do to bring me back to you? God, what can you do in my marriage? God, what can you do in my relationship? God, how can you help me lead my kids? God, how do I lead people at work to be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ because of what you've done in me? You see, that's loving God and loving others. That's it. That's it. And you see, it's all possible because we have a God who is powerful and mighty who sent his son Jesus to die a death that we deserve, but he was so powerful that he defeated death and rose to new life so that we could be in a relationship with him forever. Wow. Wow. And when we do that, we can experience true freedom, which is to love God, and then the overflow of that is that I remove my selfishness and I love others. I point people to him. And that's possible by one thing, and that's the Holy Spirit. That's really the last part of our message. True freedom, then, the true freedom that we experience can only happen from the inside out. You see, that heart has to be made new. We have to experience Jesus before we can experience freedom, before we can live to honor him. And the way that that then happens, when we say yes to God, he takes residence in us, and then we become his vessel. We become the temple of the living God. And that is so powerful. And you see these Judaizers, what they were saying? Uh, Holy Spirit isn't enough. Nope. It's got to be more than that. It's works. A relationship with Jesus, not enough. It has to be more. It's about the law. And what the Bible is saying to us and what the Apostle Paul is saying is that the, uh, the law isn't enough. The Holy Spirit is enough. And you see, when we have that, we can then live to honor him in everything that we do. And so how how does this happen for us? We read about it in verse 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Let God be your, your life guide. One of my favorite verses in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, acknowledge him in all your ways, and what will he do? He will guide your path. Let the Holy Spirit guide your life. And he says, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves, Sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. The spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you are not free to carry out your good intentions. How many of you have felt like when you've got it all figured out with God, like things are going well, you're in your Bible reading plan, you've prayed every other day, right? When you're kind of like, hey, this God thing's pretty cool. The enemy puts it on overdrive, right? Right? and difficulties come your way right the sin that you're so easily entangled with it gets worse and worse and more and more difficult when you finally think that the relationship is figured out oh boy the fight happens right and and the enemy does not want you in freedom and see what the apostle paul is saying he's saying this is not easy thank you god <laughs> this isn't going to be easy do you remember what the, Paul, the Apostle Paul said himself in Romans chapter 7? Maybe, maybe you've heard of this, maybe you haven't. He says, he says, even though I know the things I ought not to do, I do them anyway. <laughs> you know, when I know not to live this way, why is it that I am so easily bent back to living that way? Well, you see, that's called our sin nature. The Bible calls this, uh, in Greek, our sarks. It's our sin nature, and literally what that word means in the Greek is it's our sinful nature. It's our flesh, not really our actual flesh, but it's the flesh inside of us, the desire to want to live towards sin. And so that is always constantly pulling us away from what God wants for us. But what Paul is saying is he's saying, let the spirit lead your life. And the spirit is what's known as the pneuma. And, and here's what I want you to see. Paul goes on to listen in, in chapter 15, I, ver- I believe, 18 through 23 and 24. He says, these are the sinful nature. And this is just a few of them. We left out the really bad ones. Right? These are, these are the, this is the sinful nature. This is what you're going to be bent towards. And then he says, this, this here is what the Spirit will give you. He will give you, and the Bible says, fruit. And here's why that's important, because when he says it's a producing fruit, what does that mean? It means it's healthy, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. Does anybody need more of that in their life? We all do. It's there for us through the Spirit of God. Paul wraps it up with this, and I think it's just the the most important thing. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us then follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our life. You see, friends, religion is not a formula. Religion is a relationship with the living God. And the Bible says that when we put our faith in him, we become one with the creator of heaven and of earth. Literally, he takes residence in us. And, you know, for me, I view it like this. Uh, is there anybody in here old enough to remember dial-up internet, anybody? Yeah. yeah, good, there's a few of us, thank God. Now we're really being honest, right? <laughs> and, and what about that, do you remember that like dial-up internet, like the noise that it made? It was, like, it was almost like an exorcism, right? Every time you logged into the internet. Like, yeah, like what the heck? you know, and then you do that just so you'd get into an AOL chat room and it would knock you right out, right? Like, I'm chatting to some stranger in like New York city, right? And it just knocks me out. Thank God it did that every like five minutes, right? But now we have this thing called cable internet, right? Like in the, at the highest peak of it, it's called Google fiber, like, or it's one gig, right? And so literally it's not fast enough still, but we have constant access, immediate access to anything we want. You know what I'm talking about? It's right at the palm of our hands. This internet is free and it's always there. It's always connected, mostly. But here's here's what I want us to see about this. When we accept Jesus Christ, we have a constant connection, a fast connection. We are always in tune with the Father in heaven who knows everything that we need. He knows abundantly more than we'll ever need, and he is right there. And all we have to do is say, please, God. Please, God. And when we say that, he changes our lives. Sometimes it hurts. But if we call out on him, he is there If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, he lives in us. He's given us a new heart, he's given us a new spirit. We have the ability to enter into the throne room of God and we have access to the power that defeated sin, death, and the grave forever. Friend, if you have not made that decision today, would you please not live here without having your life changed forever? If you are stuck, would you see that there is a God who wants to set you free? And if that's you today, you've experienced Jesus Christ, Maybe you are stuck, stuck in a sin, stuck in a relationship, stuck in whatever it is, fill in the blank. Maybe you too need to experience that love of God, that constant access, the reminder of the Holy Spirit living in you. Wherever you're at, I'd love to share with you how to take the next step. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your grace, an undeserved grace. Thank you that you love us despite every shortcoming that we bring God, thank you that you don't just leave us lost. God, you are in the middle of every single detail. And Father God, even when we seem far away, you are right there ready, waiting for us to respond to your love again. God, for every individual in this room that is longing for something more, would you show them by the power of your Holy Spirit right now, tugging on their heartstrings, that you are more. God, for those of us who are living, caught up, stuck, God, would you show us what it means to experience your freedom again through the power of your Holy Spirit. We love you, Jesus. We elevate you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.